0: JD Talking Sports, it is Wednesday, December 13, 2017, the second day of Hanukkah. So I'm trading my buddy Gumbo Chef today. And Gumbo Chef. Well, he showed me the Roy Moore's his. What his was the chief of staff saying that, you know, Muslims can't be in office because they have to, you know, they they won't put their hand on the Bible, and the guy goes, you know, they can put their hand on any. Whatever the Koran, whatever they don't, they don't have to put it on the actual Bible. And he goes, "You didn't know that?" He goes, "Well, I had to put it. I didn't do it, did it three times, and President Trump did it." He said, "Well, President Tr- Trump is a Christian, and his mouth is open, and I think he could have seen a whole bunch of flies going." And then he had never seen the implosion of the Georgia Dome. And you know that, Mart, that MARTA truck? Is that the MARTA bus? Is that what it's called? MARTA the system there? And I'll tell you, I never saw him. I mean, he was crying. He, I hadn't seen him laugh like that in a very long time. That was a good way to end the workout today. It really was funny. Now, I walked from 60, 68th and West End to 218th Street. In, I got up to 140 and I said, I got a call today. But I just kept trucking. took me a little over, almost two hours, like 50, 20 minutes to walk. What's that? About 100 and... Seven miles? Seven, eight miles? said i Yeah, a little too much. But I'll tell you, I got my steps in today. Broke all my records. And uh, actually, it said I walked like 7.33 miles. I thought that was kind of cool. So, what are you going to do? And I am so happy that Charles Barkley agrees with me that LeVar Ball is destroying that family. He is ruining his children's career. I mean, when I told Gumbel about it, he goes, I said, you know, he's 16 and he's going to play in the pros. I mean, I think it's ridiculous. The more I think about it. And, you know, Lonzo Ball came in. And it's interesting. He came in after they had made D'Angelo Russell his second pick in 2000. No, the third pick. Second, third. Third pick in the 2015 draft. And now they're already on their second supposed star point guard. We'll see how it turns out you've got the window. I was listening to who was listening to this morning? Oh, Boomer. And I like I agree. He said it's it's fun basketball to watch play. And I was listening to Francesa today. He said, You know, people say, you know, it's crazy that he's got two more days left. And he said, I've always been s I've never not been a sports fan. And I can say the same thing. I can't remember when I didn't watch sports. My and my father my father said when I was a baby, the woman who took care of me was watched the Yankee games and screamed at the television. And it must have done something because I sat there with her. Because I can't remember a time that I wasn't watching sports. Yeah, my earliest I still remember my earliest memories. I remember watching, waiting for the Cowboys to play the Super Bowl against the Steelers when they lost 35-31 because there was a power outage. And I didn't and I didn't think we were going to get the game that day. And I used to cut out things. I, I remember distinctly cutting out uh, with Irvin Johnson... And Larry Bird. With Magic. Cutting out pictures and all this. I remember that. I remember that distinctly. But it was, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I feel like an era is ending now with Mike Francesa. And it sucks. It really does. And I know he gets bashed and Michael K bashed. I'm like, I'm tired of all that stuff. But that's, that's, that's who we are now. We're all just, you know, social media. And it's just throwing shit everybody's way. And, you know, Michael K. could look at him and go, Jesus, you know, if it wasn't for Mike Francesa, I wouldn't have the Michael K. show. I think that's what a lot of people, they can bitch all they want and say whatever they want about Francesa. But without him, there wouldn't be anybody else. He started this whole craze, in a way. He became the first superstar, him and and Mad Dog. Come on, he's doing five and a half hours, five days a week? You try to do five. I mean, I did a three-hour show once a week, and I was preparing like 30 hours a week for that one, one, one shot a week. That's a lot of work. A lot of patience. Yeah, pretty crazy. He will be missed. He'll be missed by me. And I had... Now, Eli, Now I just read that Mara... John Mara said that he wants... He's going to interview GMs next week. And he also wants Eli Manning back next year. And he considers him like a family. I guess we'll see how that turns out. Yeah. I mean, that's what he wants. And Johnny Manziel... CFL rights held by Hamilton Tiger Cats. Their coach is June Jones, who did he took he took Hawaii. They got blown out by Georgia. But they went to the they went to, they went to the they went to the Sugar Bowl that year. I said he would be the best player in the CFL. I don't disagree. He can throw, run, and pass. Released by the Browns in 2016. 14 starts, seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. I'd like to see him get on a shot. I mean, I keep thinking about. Doug Flutie, Doug Flutie uh, did the best with what he had. He did. He, he resurrected his career. I think guys can go over there and play. I think. I think man, so I'd love to see him get another shot. In college, he did uh, that game against Alabama, magical, and they were losing to Duke. I remember in the, was it the Peach Bowl? It might have been the Peach Bowl. And he took him back. I mean, he he had, he, he did things guys couldn't do. If he gets his head on right, anything's possible. Scott Boras called the Marlins a pawn shop. D. Gordon, Stanton, and now uh, I think it's Markel Ozuna, who, what did he hit? Over, what, 20, 30 home runs last year? 124 RBIs, made the all-star team. They're all bashing Jeter. Jeter knew, knew he had to start over. I don't know why the fans are pissed. They didn't, they didn't come before. They didn't come with Stanton in their 59 home runs this season. They never filled with the goddamn place. So now they have another reason not to come next year. But I'll place my life savings, which right now isn't very much. But that Jeter will turn this around the next five years. I know the fans are pissed right now, whatever. I know Dan Le- uh, Lebatard's all pissed off, whatever. But I think that Derek Jeter didn't take this job to fail. He is going to do everything in his power to succeed. That's, that's what I think. Now, Eli says he wants to play another three, four years. And I wouldn't say that, I wouldn't bet against him. Wouldn't bet against him at all. Because oh, because the Manning Passing Academy, Academy is at Nichols State University in Thibodeau, Louisiana. It's, you know, uh, now Cooper is the eldest and most naturally athletic of the three Manning boys, but he ended up, he got spinal stenosis and his college career at Ole Miss before it started. Also the son of an NFL quarterback, brother of two S, uh, Super Bowl MVPs. So he knows, you know, three thing about quarterback. And he has an interesting scouting report on his brother. He said, 40 of the top college quarterbacks act as counselors to the ca- approximately 1,300 campers the academy takes in every June. They have throwing sessions during the camp and light throws along with them. The draft prospects in the running to replace Manning in New York UCLA's Josh Rosen, USC's Sam Darnold, Louisville's Lamar Jackson, Wyoming's Josh Allen, and Oklahoma's Baker Mayfield have all shown off their right arm at camp. But the way Cooper scouted it, the Wiz Kids couldn't keep up with his kid brother. I don't think anybody who was there would disagree that in terms of arm strength and where the ball was going and where it was being put, Eli's skills are still at the top of his game, Cooper said. He may be throwing it with more velocity than, a, than I've ever seen. So in spirit, sometimes you can look and say, golly, this guy doesn't quite have it like he used to. That was certainly not the case at the Academy against some of these fresh live arms. Josh Allen can throw it 80 yards, but if you're talking about an 18-yard break-in with velocity and zip, I'd say Eli was unmatched, no question. This was from Ian O'Connor, Ian, uh, O'Connor at ESPN. Now, he was never a, mobile, a noble, mobile quarterback to begin with. And when he was facing next to impossible tasks to complete, Cooper described it as doing surgery with knives and forks instead of scalpels. On the other hand, Eli's QBR of the last five seasons, including this one, have ranked him 23rd, 27th, 16th, 14th, and 27th in the league. His record over those five seasons is 32 and 44. And, you know, that's, that, that, that's not going to cut. Now, he's not going to go to Denver. The first thing Eli did when he was recruited out of high school was tell Coach uh, Fulmer, Phil Fomer out of Tennessee he wasn't coming. Now, he was fine following his father at Ole Miss, but not with following Peyton to Knoxville. Now, Eli's former Pro Bowl center with the Giants, Sean O'Hara, an NFL Networks analyst remains close with Eli, he said that uh, Eli rejected an offer to host SNL in 2008 because in part his brother had hosted in 2007. And O'Hara said he always had good judgment. When he won the Super Bowl, he hosted Night Live in 2012 and killed it. That's Eli in a nutshell. So I don't think Eli would want to play for the Broncos. He's always been, I'm not paid in. In going to Denver, he would feel like he's riding his coattails. What about the Jets, O'Hara said? Eli lives in Summit. I did not know. I, I, I thought he lived, well, he used to live in Hoboken which is a shorter drive to the Jets facility than to the Giants, and he'd get to still play in MetLife. Why not the Jets? They're always trying to beat the Patriots, and is the only guy who's proven he can do that. Now, would that be interesting, Eli wearing a green number 10 at the Meadowlands? As hard as it is to imagine. I mean, don't rule it out. He said, Payton was in Indianapolis for 14 years, Archie said, and I never envisioned him playing for anyone else. It can happen. I was in my 12th year in New Orleans when I was traded, and I never thought I'd play anywhere else. It's part of the game where he went to Houston. Archie said Peyton at one point considered staying in Indianapolis and tutoring luck because he thought he was supposed to play his whole entire career with one place. Eli has badly wanted to retire one uniform New York Giant and insisted on his no trade clause to ensure that happened. And when McAdoo bounced him from the lineup, the relationship between the franchise and franchise player changed. The overmatch coach had blamed Eli's sloppy quarterback play for shaping a week two loss to Detroit that set an ominous tone for the rest of the season and it appeared he he was a sacrificial lamb basically when uh he, he, you know Eli sacrificed. You know when he when he put in Gino last week in Oakland, the fans reacted. after Eli was their own kid brother, and soon enough, Manning. You know he's back and he started this past week against Dallas. People laugh when Peyton finally won his long lost ring, and then celebrated the next morning. He predicted, celebrated the next morning by predicting his brother would lead the Giants to multiple Super Bowls. Eli made him a prophet. He made, a course, he a profit, too. The GM had written in a scouting report on the old Miss, Eli, the quarterback, co- coverage and poison, that quality you can't define, call it magic. And Bill Polian, you know, who built Super Bowl teams in Buffalo and Indianapolis, he's an ESPN analyst now, among those believe Eli could still make it to the big game for a third time with the right cast. Yes, absolutely, and his brother's living proof of that. I definitely think Eli has a lot left. You have to protect him. That's the bottom line. He- He can't extend and can't make plays with his feet, and he never has. He plays with his arm and his head, and as long as you protect him, he's still an excellent quarterback. Dude, I I just loved it. I loved what they said right there. You know what? You know, his number, like a QBR, yep, it's down. But hey, he's got two rings, and he's had shitty teams. Hey, last year they went went to the playoffs, and they should have won that goddamn playoff game. They were playing well, and they went away from the plan. They gave up that Hail Mary at halftime, and it was over before halftime, and that was the game. But he didn't play badly. OBJ had a terrible game. I wouldn't put on him. The wide receivers went on that goddamn thing. I don't think the heads win the game. What a piece of shit. And how about this? You excited for Thursday night football? How about this? From a local ticket reseller ahead of the 3-10 Colts Thursday night game against the Broncos. They're just throwing the tickets in the trash, as in literally. Jessica Barbright tried selling her tickets to coworkers. They laughed. She said, yikes. That's a big yikes. How about a terrible game? Colts, Broncos tomorrow night. And Kenny Britt is now a Patriot, the rich get richer. And they're saying, what will the Eagles offense look like with Nick Foles under center? The takeaway, you know, you're going to look for a run game, run pass option plays and quick tempo. Also turns out that it was actually current Philadelphia coach, Doug Peterson, that scattered Foles out of college. It's going to, I'll tell you, I know people's going crazy about this stuff, but honestly, I think that, you know, they're overreacting. They're overreacting a lot on that front. I think we gotta yeah, he's not Carson Wentz, but let's give him let's give him a little time. Right? I mean let's give him a little freaking time. That's me. And you know, so listen to this. They you know talk about Davis Webb is ready to start an NFL game. We bring you back to November two thousand now Eli Manning was Eli Manning ready to start his first NFL game? Not even close. They, they uh, benched Kurt Warner. Giants were 5-4, and, and they're veteran of the team were looking forward to making a run at a playoff contender. Eli gets in the huddle. The season went down the tubes. They lost six straight. He threw 20 incomplete passes in his starting debut against the Falcons, completed six passes the next week's on the Eagles, and two weeks later when a Bluto, Bluto Blutarski-esque passer rating of 0.0 and a deer in the headlights loss in Baltimore. He was not ready. He was not close to ready, but he had to start sometime. Interesting, Right? Now I was talking about how they won their 11th game last year the Nets not until March well this year they already they've hit 11 so this year it's already a win-win for them and we're going to get we're going to see Okafor now Stauskas has Kenny Atkinson who's kind of a guard whisperer you know what he did with, with Sanity. and Stauskas said with the NBA it's always going to be competitive that's what he said about himself these are the best players in the world. No matter where... Wherever you end up, you're always going to be competing against someone for a job. And that's the way the business goes. Sooner you can wrap your head around that, the easier it's going to be. I like that. You know what? Let's give him some time. That's the thing too with Okafor. Both those guys have... Th- their confidence level is shit right now. So let's get them back playing and see what they can do. And Gary Sanchez, first step toward improving defensively, has been working on his body. Matt Krauss, the Yankees' strength and conditioning director... He's in the DR working out Sanchez. According to a person with knowledge of the program, Sanchez has dropped weight, which is good. While all of Sanchez's defensive roles well this past season weren't weight-related, his midsection needed to tighten up and he had to lose weight in order for him to be quicker behind the plate and improve on blocking pitches. And they said he appeared heavier than the 230 pounds he was listed at in the media guide. He did look, yeah, he looked, I mean, he was big, but he looked a little heavier. I mean, he, last year, oof, he, 16 pass balls tied uh, the Dodgers' Yasmani Grandal- for the MLB MLB lead, and the 53 wild pitches with him catching were second to the Rangers, Jonathan LaCroix, who had 58. But, you know, he only caught 99 games, but if he qualified, his 38% 23-for-60 success rate thrown out would-be have thrown would base dealers would have been third among MLB catchers. Now he had 278, 33 home runs, 90 RBIs, missing a month early in the season with a right biceps injury. Now he's got Josh Bart, a former catcher, the new bench coach, we work with Bart improving defensively. Previously, Sanchez was tutored by Tony Pena, who was one of the greatest catchers ever. Who was placed as the first base coach, coached by Reggie Willits. And I liked Tony Pena. I think what the fuck. And Aaron Boone got one piece of advice from Leyland and Tori: don't read the papers. That's what he said. You know, and and listen. I know it's kind of slow right now. You know, the Mets are. The Mets aren't the Yankees. They're not going to ever spend it on the Yankees. you got the Wilpons who hold the purse string so tight. Well, they pinch the nickels so hard, the Buffalo screams. That's what I always say. And I feel like they, they treat the Mets like a mid-level franchise when they should, you know, the biggest market. And Mets fans are furious because they're not spending money on adding, adding talent. And the team this year is not going to be, you know, they're going, to, they're going to think the starting pitching is going to keep them in games. They don't have a lot of offense. And that's what, uh, what was it Yeah, it was Francesi Franceschi. Because they're going to have a lot of 2-1, 3-2 games. It's going to be tight games. That's what we're going to have to deal with this year. And it's not fair to the Mets fans. I feel like that every year, that, you know. well, they brought back Cespedes. They had to. But other than that, and now Conforto's not going to be back at the beginning of the year. He had, he had a strong season last year. You don't know what you have. at a Dominic, Dominic Smith had a first base. You have guys playing out of position. You don't really have a really second baseman. Well, you have Rosario. It's short. But you don't really have a second and third baseman, a true second. Dave Wright may never come back again. You're catching. No hitting. You got no hit catching. And your outfield isn't, you know. And well, Cespedes play a lot of games. He's always hurt. Well, supposedly he changed his workout routine. I guess we'll see how that turns out. And the Jets, you know, hey, last this year they lost eight starters to injury reserve by the end of the season, and used seventy. That's what happened last season. Used seventy-five players, tying an NFL record. They also had forty-nine different starters this year. They have used sixty-four players and started just thirty-six different players. But sometimes it's kind of luck. And Jared Jack. Stephen Curry thanked Jared Jack in his first MVP acceptance speech. He makes an impression on people. He's 13th season. He's been a mentor to uh, Frank Nielakina. And hey, listen, listen, last night in freaking, you know, he an off night and he still shot one for six. He still had 10 assists in 26 minutes. And the thing about him is that, you know, most of the teams, all the coaches were back, so everybody was kind of saying stuff. It took us a little longer. Had some new guys that kind of had to figure out the offense. And I think Jarrett, just his voice when he was out there, was able to point guys. No, no, go over there, move that spot. He was like a coach on the court, and that's what they need. And I'll tell you, as Ryan would attest, he has been a solid, solid contributor this season. And he needed guys like that. And then and then I was Albert Breer I was reading about the I love, I love I love to talk about the NFL draft. It's all I know it's all like. You know, right now it's like the guys haven't really played the senior bowl, but I get, I just, I love hearing this. Now, Saquon Barkley, like Ezekiel Elliott and Joe Mixon before him, they said that's what the NFL are looking for. The 230 pound hammer can play in all three downs. Now, wide receiver, there's an SMU's, Cortland Sutton. He might go ahead of Calvin Ridley from Alabama, James Washington, Oklahoma State. Sutton's expecting to come and they said 6'4, 230. And all those who have life scattered him come back like they just saw spotted Bigfoot. I love that. If he tests well and it's, you know, they said he probably should. There's a chance he could land inside the top 10 picks of the first receiver taken. Now this year's class, there's a lot of bouncer uh, depth, but no, no Clowney or your Garrett. The quarterbacks have some sizzle, but for, but you know, hey, but for every Wentz or Goff, there's an RG3. Well, RG, I wouldn't call him a bust. I mean, the guy was working. he came and he he took the league over, but now he could could he be a Jet? And then they're talking about the Eagles taking Romo. Come on, you really want him? What's his track record in the playoffs? Jack shit, it's terrible. Let him stay in the booth. I take. I told you. I take my chance with Nick Foles. I'm telling you, Eagles have a solid team, and if he can, he, he, if he doesn't make mistakes, and the D plays well, and they get the running game going, anything's possible. You know, they go on a hot run in the playoff. They have home field advantage. Maybe they'll take go on a run. There was a guy this morning on the bus, no jacket, no hat. And it must have been. Like, it was. It was seriously like it was. It was. It was single digits. No jacket, and he had like a thin sweatshirt on. I was like, oof. But he looked a little hairy, so maybe the fur on his body helped him. And then there was a girl I was on one of the sites, and you know, moles are sometimes cute, but not the moles that look like black moles. And uh, you know, hey, she had a nice smile, but I, I, I couldn't s I I, could, I couldn't do it. I draw the line on I one mole maybe, but she had like two or three moles. And no disrespect for her, I just I just couldn't. I couldn't remember Heath Evan's name last night. Ed Whitson too, I apologize for that, folks. You know, they talk about sports media being 85 to 90% male. You heard of what's happened with all NFL Network, all these guys getting into trouble and whatnot. Remember what Brett Favre did with the Jets? If that happened now, would he be playing? Any- I mean, you remember, you're he sending, hey, what are you doing? So he was sending pictures of his, of his penis to that woman. And I, there was a scene in a movie, I think it was Jerry Maguire, a rumor reporter was interviewing an Afri- African-American player and his, his uh, towel drops, he's in, in the locker room and she fumbles with her microphone. And, you know, I thought about that, that, you know, these women are, would be, you know, it it was was made a joke back then, was it 96, whatever. And you look at how culture was then and now that that shouldn't have been acceptable now, then it's definitely not acceptable now. And it's almost like, you know, they were like, what what do you expect her to get down on our knees and give the guy a blowjob? I mean, you know, this isn't a porno. And I look back and I'm like, that was kind of a stoop. That was a scene that wasn't necessary. It's kind of like, you know, sex. You know, if I want to watch porn, I'll watch porn. But don't put a sex scene in the goddamn movie. I love it better when the couple starts making out and the movie goes to black. I don't need to see them having sex on camera. It just doesn't look comfortable. At least, you know, it just, it just looks weird. It's not hot. It's just, it's, it's not necessary. Like people throwing up on camera. I don't need that shit ever either. And Rock is kind of pissed. He said that I uh, dropped the bomb on... Blinking. i'm blanking i'm walking dead and i was like dude he's he's not talking to me he's really upset i said i'm he goes you just did what the other other motherfucker did i said any he 2 w 2 he wrote so i tried to get him back sweet talk him and he's he is awol the rest of the day so rock if you listen to this i apologize uh i guess i was angry and it's not two wrongs don't make a right that's all i can say there two wrongs don't make a right and kenny Britt is now a patriot the rich get richer shocking right shocking shocking yeah I love I love that Barkley I love the Barkley said something I really do yeah what's going on with my alright what else did I want to? oh happy Hanukkah yeah I love that Ryan I love the happy Hanukkah and the sweater the sweater makes it the best The Mets are going to go uh, closer by committee. We'll see how that turns out. And we'll see if Kenny Atkinson can, can turn around the uh, Nets. I saw the shirt. I miss Shay. It was a dump, but it was our dump. He says I said about Peanut. Peanut's a lemon, but she's my lemon. I saw a woman with a dog, r- pu- pulling her dog in a stroller, and I said, do you have room in there? She goes, are you you a arthritis? I said, do you have an extra room in there? She goes, do you have, any, you have arthritis? I go, no. I go, but I'm just really tired. And she started laughing. <laughs> And uh, I used to work with a guy named uh, Roger Hughes, and his cousin was Pat Denisio of the Smithers. He died at sixty-two, so I was I was kind of upset about that. I actually tried to get in the uh, two thousand ran for New Jersey seat in the U.S. Senate under the Reform Party campaign, and he also appeared on ESPN Seventh Inning Stretch, which I never saw. I got to see this. A reality show that followed his attempt to join a minor league New Jersey baseball team in 2006, and I, there was a fight on this morning. Jeff Van Horn won an 11th round TKO over Gary uh, Corcoran to retain his WBAO welterweight belt. Yeah, you know you're you know you're really uh, top shelf fighting when you're fighting on a Wednesday Wednesday on ESPN. I know it's still Wednesday. You're they said he shouldn't beat Pacquiao, but. Eh. I was like, oh, and Pineda's is going to get tune your deal with uh, the Twins. Done. And LPJ is going to add two tournaments in California for 2018. 34 event schedule offers record 68.75 million in prize money. I got to get Marina, Ale- uh, Marina Alexa, Marina, Marina Alex on my show. I got to get her on. I got to get her on talking about next season. She had a good year this year. I fought her. Oh yeah, he said. LeVar Ball per Charles, he represents everything that's bad about sports. I couldn't agree more. Taking your kid out of high school and now he's freaking unbelievable. Just so fucking stupid. Every time I think about it, he was at the game last night, cheered it on, going crazy. You know what? And he's and they told him to tone down on Luke Walton. Just tone down on everything, dude. Pace yourself. How about this? A golf lesson with Tiger, private lesson with Tiger Woods auction at two hundred ten thousand at a pro am per ESPN. That sounds about right. I I pay about twenty bucks. And Mets at ex Brewers right hand pitcher Anthony Swarzak agreed a two year $40 million dollar deal. He's really a journeyman; he's played all over the place. Uh, Mark Mark Carrick from Newsday said, uh, "Good signing for the Mets since they lost out on uh, Tommy Hunter and Brian Shaw." Well, they, they they want they that's what someone said. Three years, twenty seven million for Brian Shaw, who they wanted so badly. That was too much money. No, it, it was that's nothing. That's a It's amazing how the Mets are just like, they're acting like a small market team. I mean, this is the big signing, a guy for $7 million a year. I know. and I mean, really? Said he throws 97 at end of last year, touched low 90s with slider, with command of both. He joins uh, Ramos, Familia, and Blevins as bullpen anchors. Made his debut in 2009, his pitch for the Twins, Indians, Yankees, White Sox, and Brewers. Also spent uh, much of the 2015 season with the Dusan Bears in South Korea. Last year, 29 games for the Milwaukee, 248 ERA, 39 strikeouts, nine walks, and 29 innings pitched. Okay, I guess we'll see what happens. Another guy, another arm for the bullpen, and they think that uh, J- Rod Jay Jaffe from SI says Roger Clemens is trending toward Hall of Fame induction. Listen. Even if he was taking steroids at the end of his career, his career was great before all that shit happened. The guy was the most dominant, but he was a scary son of a bitch. Threw hard everything. So, I don't see any reason why he should be out. Steelers, 22-year-old cornerback Artie Burns says, he definitely is CT. Humans are not made to run into each other. Okay. Oh, and I read today about former Penn State and... Chiefs, Larry Johnson says he thinks he has CTE. He says he has, and he has he has to control himself when he gets angry and all that stuff. Listen, I don't disagree with any of this stuff. Now when Ozuna, who they traded to the Cardinals, 312 last year, 37 on 124 RBIs, ranked third in the National League, 27 years old. Hey, he got rid of D Gordon, he got rid of Stanton. They are changing, they're changing things. And Ozuna had 129 hits with an exit velocity of 95 miles or higher. I love these stats, which mean, okay. He also made $3.5 million last year. Due for arbitration, this offseason would be a lot more, but he won't be retreated until 2020 at the earliest. Two-time all stars solid defensively, having won his first gold glove this past year. Five seasons with the Marlins, career 277 batting average, 96 home runs, 361 RBIs. Yeah, so he had 29 hits with an exit velocity of 95 miles or higher, which ranked third in the majors behind Jose Abreu and Stanton. Okay. Yeah, pawn shop, I love that. I'd love to see Manziel get a shot. I would. He met with the commissioner. Yeah, Larry Johnson. And this, I found this from Official 3 Kings podcast. Roy Moore avi- arrives on horseback to vote. It said, so let us stand together in one united voice say to Roy Moore, fuck you and the horse you rode in on. I was like, oh, okay. That was that was pompous, man. How about this? One win from a thousand for Geno Smith. This is the team that started it all back in 85. The the, the uniforms were hideous. So ama- It is amazing how this, so 32 years later, how the game's changed so much. And I love these, the stats I love. Jimmy Garoppolo, 627 yards passing in his first two starts of the most by a 49ers quarterback in his first two starts since the merger in 1970. Talk about... And he's 2-0 also. But how about this? I mean, Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Now, Perry Wallace, I did not know this, was the first black varsity basketball player in the Southeastern Conference for Vanderbilt. He came in in 66. He was actually from his hometown. He was actually from Nashville Died on December 1st at a hospice in Rockville, Maryland. He was 69. His wife, Karen, said the cause was cancer. He ended up, uh, he became a lawyer later in life. He was a high school star in Nashville, one of the top schoolboy players. He accepted a scholarship to play at Vanderbilt in May 19, 90, 1966. He was a racial pioneer. Now, when he went there, he said, one teammate he said suggested that Wallace would have enjoyed the old slave breeding camps and asked him about picking cotton. My first year here involved a battle with my teammates to defeat their knowing and unknowing attempts to categorize me as the team. I'm not going to say the word. The team N, he added. He dreaded the thought of playing in Mississippi with its poor civil rights record, but in early 1967, they flew to Starksville to play. Mississippi State, now Ma- Wallace and Dillard, a fellow freshman teammate, racial epithets, epithets, threats of lynching, mainly by the Mississippi State football players. Wonderful bunch of kids. Not, not that high-class bigotry is where the praise, Wallace said, and strong inside, but those guys at Mississippi State were just low-class, crude, ignorant rednecks. They were screaming and hollering, insulting us, calling us names, saying they were going to kill us. As the game started, it got worse. As time ran out of the first half, he heaved the ball down court, and many in the crowds shouted "shoot," which was uh, a, racial, a racial epithet. They lost the game eighty four seventy, but Wallace scored thirteen points and led both teams nineteen points. And but he and their him and Dillard's ordeal wasn't over. They were abused as they sat in the bleachers to watch uh, Vanderbilt's varsity play. More than a year later, they went to Oxford to play Ole Miss. He was a sophomore and the only black in varsity Dillard was injured all season and would have transferred to Eastern Michigan University in his junior year. So the verbal attacks the fans directed at Wallace were as bad as they were in Starkville. They applauded and laughed at each of his mistakes. Then almost player hit him in the eye, bloodying and staggering him and blurring his eyesight. He was treated at halftime but returned to the court alone without the support of a teammate or a coach beside him. He said, things were so bad, it was so oppressive and so much bad stuff had happened that sure it pushed me to another level but I don't think that's the way you ought to have to play to have that kind of uh, challenge. They ended up winning the game 90-72. Kind of scary. It's just, oof. He was class valedictorian. He went to an all-black pro high school, was class valedictorian. He led the basketball team to an undefeated season and a state championship in 66, the first time black, white, and integrated schools played in the same Tennessee state tournament. The Tennessean called them the school's high-jumping goliath of backboards And Parade Magazine named him one of the country's top 10 high school basketball players. So he was a hell of a talent, man. He was courted by uh, Vanderbilt, Michigan, Cincinnati, Iowa, Louisville. Chose Vanderbilt, he said, because of Coach Roy Skinner's sincerity and the comfort he felt with the players, but also because it was his mother's choice. Good for mom. um, Dillard, who also became a lawyer, that the pressures in the black community in Nashville for him to go to Vanderbilt and break the color barrier were tremendous. Now, Wallace actually considered leaving after his freshman year, but he felt that he had started something, you know, that was too big to quit. He didn't want to satisfy the people who felt he would fail. I mean, and they're nasty. He improved in each of his three seasons. Senior year, he averaged almost 18 a game, almost 14 rebounds a game. And then he was drafted by the Sixers, but cut during the preseason, which makes no sense. He played sparingly for the Delaware Blue Bombers of the Minor League Eastern Basketball Association. He was a student teacher at a high school in Philly, and he graduated from Columbia Law School. So he's a very smart man. He worked as a trial lawyer for the Justice Department specializing in environmental law and as a law professor at the University of Baltimore Law School and the Washington College of Law at American University, where I went for a little bit. He also worked internationally on various projects including serving as a representative of the Federated States of Micronesia at a United Nations global warming hearing in Kenya. Ms. Wallace said that when he described the racism he endured, it wasn't with anger. He felt the pain and suffering, but he was soft-spoken and didn't talk about it with rage, she said in a television interview. He was not a belligerent man. Now, his, his, Kyle's career ended emphatically in 1970 during a loss at home to Mississippi State. He grabbed 27 rebounds, scored 29 points, the last two in a slam dunk—a shot the NCAA had banned in 1967, you know, to prevent injury. They said to, but although many believed it was to curb the scoring advantage of big men, and to Wallace, not allowing slam dunks was like segregation laws made to be shattered. They were the law, but they weren't just. And so that is what I think of all those unjust and illegal rules. There it is, slam dunk. I thought that was good. I liked how he ended that. Yeah. And then what? What? Uh, the guy who did *Endless Summer*, Bruce Brown. Pretty pretty awesome. He rented a, a He he rented the Sunset Theater in Wichita, Kansas. Because you know the people think that no one would watch it. Nobody would. Uh, he couldn't get a distributor. For two weeks, it sold out. Then in June, that June, he borrowed $50,000 to blow up the print from 16 to 35 millimeters for endless summer, rent the Kipps Bay Theater on the east side of Manhattan, which I've been to. He said, I put everything on the line. And uh, hey, if I wouldn't have worked, it would have been the ballgame. But it did work. So the movie ended up making over, grossed $30 million worldwide. That's what it said, according to the Encyclopedia of Surfing, 2005. You know, he was able to pre- prevent present surfing as it really was to non surfers. You know, I've never seen that movie. He surfed every is when he, he he was a he was he was a big surfer. Went to college for a week or two, didn't work out. Was a lifeguard in San Clemente. Worked at a surf shop owned by the surfboard mac- manufacturer Dale Velzy. Mister Velzy showed the home movies Mister Brown had made, charging twenty five cents a ticket. We spent the summer negotiating about making a real surf film. He paid for it, and I would make it. Eventually, Velzy put up 5000 which was to include, among other things, camera equipment, 50 rolls of film, six plane tickets to Hawaii, and my living expenses until the film was completed. Listen to this. So he said, uh, he ran up surfers. On the flight to Hawaii, he read a how-to book, a how-to book on filmmaking. <coughs> when wet, what resulted was slippery one wet in 58 which followed Surf Crazy 59 and four other full-length documentaries before he directed The Endless Summer. He rented out theaters in high school, auditoriums to show them. His wife took the tickets, as he would later do with The Endless Summer. He provided narration. He also made a documentary on motorcycle racing called... What was it called? On Any Sunday. That was uh, financed by Steve McQueen's production company. He also made The Endless summer two in 94 and the money he made off that he didn't have to work again you know with enough money from his filmmaking investments he pursued hobbies like target shooting collecting old cars and racing rally cars and he continued surfing until nine years ago when he injured a shoulder died on sunday he was 80 son said it was probably heart failure I love what Sandy Anderson said about the Mets. I would spend a little less time thinking about our payroll. We're trying to put the best team on the field we possibly can. You know, it's always a crock of shit. Are you really putting the best team on the on the? Are you? Now, you got the, you got your new... Uh, Callaway's the new manager. He also, you know, he's big into not just... You know, he's big into keeping the arm strong and everything. And durable. Among the top 30 pitchers in innings compiled since 2014, just one pitch for the Mets in that time. Bartolo Colon is no longer with the team. Only Jacob DeGrom managed every 120 innings for the Mets last season. Now, Kluber actually was second during that time behind Max Scherzer. Pretty impressive, right? Hey, John Maris says he's playing. Eli's back next year. We shall see. All right. Now, we have trivia questions. Let's do some trivia questions. Okay. Last night's trivia question: Most home runs by a Casey Royal and franchise history. It used to be Steve Balboni, but Mike Mustakis last year, this pat, this year, 2017, broke the record. He now is the franchise record with 38. Broke Steve Balboni's record, which it stood for, I think, over 30 years. Tonight's trivia question: First rookie quarterback named AFC AFC Offensive Player of the Month. First rookie quarterback named AFC Offensive Player of the Month. First rookie quarterback in the AFC off the Offensive Player of the Month. That's tonight's trivia question in the NFL. All right. Knicks-Nets tomorrow night. We've got the Broncos-Colts tomorrow, which is going to be shit. Eli Manning. John Marrow wants him back next year. We shall see. The Bryce Petty era starts this Sunday in New Orleans. Pardon me. I am drained. I know there's Joe the show doing the show a little early today. OKC is playing Indiana tonight. The return of Paul George, Indiana, and OKC comes to the Knicks this weekend, and that's what that's what the Boomer said. You know, should we be happy for him? I mean, you know, hey, he'll get a he'll get an ovation, but Knicks are so much better without Carmelo. Ryan would attest to that. Ryan and me doing a show Friday. I'm very excited. Stay warm; it is freezing out. Be careful. Be smart. Oh, and Okafor is going to play on Thursday night. I'm dying to see. That's going to be a good game. I'll be watching that tomorrow night. As for tonight. I'm going to be getting a lot of Z's. JD is tired. Folks, have a great night. Peace out. I'll talk to you soon.